This morning we're talking about hectic families or just hectic individuals, uh, depending on uh, your situation. Came across an article from The Opinionator uh, on New York Times. You know they could name The Opinionator. Tim Kreider writes this. He says, if you live in America in the 21st century, you've probably had to listen to a lot of people tell you how busy they are. It's become the default response when you ask anyone how they're doing. Busy? So busy. Crazy busy. It is pretty obviously a boast disguised as a complaint, and the stock response is a kind of congratulation. That's a good problem to have, better than the opposite. But notice, it isn't generally people pulling back-to-back shifts in the ICU or commuting by bus to three minimum wage jobs who tell you how busy they are. Those people are not busy. They're tired, exhausted, dead on their feet. It's almost always uh, people whose lamented busyness is purely self-imposed. Work and obligations they've taken on voluntarily. Classes and activities they've encouraged their kids to participate in. They're busy because of their own ambition or drive or anxiety because they're addicted to busyness and dread what they might have to face in its absence. Almost everyone I know is busy. They feel anxious and guilty when they aren't either working or doing something to promote their work. They schedule in times with friends the way that students with 4.0 GPAs make sure to sign up for community service because it looks good on their college applications. Even children are busy now. Scheduled down to the half hour with classes and extracurricular activities. They come home at the end of the day as tired as grown-ups. I think there's some truth to this, church. I'm afraid that there's some truth to this. And this morning, I want us to think about what it means to be a hectic family and maybe what it is that God has to say about it. Now, I want to affirm work. God does. I mean, in the Ten Commandments, what does He say? He says... Uh, On six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh is the day that's holy to me. And on that day you don't work, you, you rest. Six days you work, one day you rest. Take a break. Stop. It's holy to me. Now, we know that in the New Testament, we're not commanded to take a day of rest. We're not, uh, you know, we don't have to do that uh, as though it was a sin. But that doesn't mean that it's not still a good idea or uh, a best practice or even a divine suggestion. And we should probably take as many divine suggestions as we can get. I mean, Paul in Colossians chapter 2.16 talks about, you know, it's not a big deal as far as, you know, the, you know, you who hold certain days special and others of you who don't hold certain days special. He, that's, he, he says, you know, that's, that's not the issue so much. But I think that the principle remains that we should take a day for rest. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, I came across this this week in preparation for this. And, and I'm going to give you a lot of verses and you've got a, a note sheet there. And, and so just, just if you want to take notes and I'm going to be throwing out a lot of references. You can go back and look them up later. But in Hebrews chapter 4, I'm going to read part of this to you. Uh, The author of Hebrews is looking back at what the uh, children of Israel have done and and how they were not able to enter the promised land right away because of their uh, rebelliousness and doubt. And he's talking about Sabbath and rest. And and so he says, therefore, verse 1, chapter 4, while the promise of entering his rest is still open, let us take care that none of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For indeed, the good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were united, not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, uh, as in my anger I swore they shall never enter my rest, though his works were finished at the foundation of the world. Uh, for in one place it speaks about the seventh day as follows, and God rested on the seventh day from all his work. Verse 5, And again in that place it says, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains open for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he sets a certain day to day, saying through David much later in the words already quoted, Today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Verse 8, For if Joshua had given them rest, 
God would not speak later about another day. So then a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. For those who enter God's rest also cease from their labors as God did His. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one may fall through such obedience as theirs. You see, the message of Hebrews, and this is the first point here in your outline, uh, is that taking time to rest reminds us that we were created to rest in God. Hebrews chapter 4 makes it pretty clear. It says, listen, one of the reasons the Sabbath was established was so that way you would know that at the end of time in all things, you would enter into a permanent rest. It was a regular weekly reminder that put the people of Israel in a frame of mind that said, you know what? One day I'm going to enter God's rest. One day I will rest from my labors. One day I will enter into eternity. Being in that regular weekly rhythm of rest reminds us that one day we uh, will find rest eternally in God. Uh, Just as fasting reminds us that we don't need anything but God, rest reminds us that we were created for more than just work. And we were. And one day we will find that rest. Uh, Deuteronomy 5.15. This is a verse you can look up later. But we see that God gives a reason for the Sabbath there also. He gives several reasons. But one is this. He says, listen, I brought you out of the land of slavery. And so now as part of that, I want you to rest to remember my deliverance. In short, take a break because you can. You're no longer slaves. You can take a day off. You can rest. You don't belong to a master, but you belong to me. And I want you to rest. Uh, other places, we see that Israel's observance of the Sabbath, and this is in Exodus thirty-one thirteen, that Israel's observance of the Sabbath was a reminder that God sanctified them. In other words, let's put it this way. God said this, you can't work your way into heaven, so don't try. Don't even try. You can't work your way into heaven, so don't try. That's one of the reasons for the Sabbath. It reminds us that God has done that critical work that we had to do, or that somebody had to do, but we couldn't. And so when we take rest, we put our faith in God and say, God, it is going to be your work that's going to... Uh, sustain us. And Hebrews chapter 4 that we just read reminds us that rest doesn't just look backwards to the place where God delivered us. And if God rescued the children of Israel from slavery, how much more should we take time to rest in His goodness now that He has saved us from sin and death uh, for all of eternity? um, God has said, listen, taking time to rest reminds you of that. It reminds you that you can't work your way to heaven. And it also reminds you that one day you will experience complete rest with me. Now, this kind of goes against the grain a little bit, doesn't it? Because we, you know, we want to be working and doing and all of these things. But, but you know, the, the fact that we have a week on a seven-day cycle is testimony to the fact that, that we were created to be in a rhythm like this. I mean, think about it. Uh, a day is what? It is one rotation of the earth on its axis, right? A, a month is what? It is a lunar orbit around the earth. A year is what? It is an orbit of the earth around the sun. All of those seasons and ways of marking time uh, have a celestial explanation. But what is a week? There is nothing that corresponds to that. God has simply instituted it, said six days you shall work and the seventh you shall rest. And that is the way that we've chosen to mark time. Church, we were created not to work all the time, but to take regular cycles and periods of rest. You know, our existence was not solely to work. And one of the ways that the Old Testament folks thought about this was that the Sabbath was kind of like an offering. It was an offering of time. Now, if if I gave some of you really highly motivated, uh, driven, determined people, I said, hey, listen, God has given you two options. Option one is rest for an entire day. Option two is give 10% of your income. I think a lot of you would say, you know, if I work that seventh day, you know, you do the math. That's, you know, it's seventh. That's more than a tenth. I could make up the tenth with that seventh day of work. I think I'm going to opt for the 10%. 
But you see, God didn't give it as a choice. He said, you should do both. You know, you should consecrate your time and you should consecrate your goods and your labor. You should do those things by pausing. You know, when we give away money, what does it do? It reminds us that that God is the one that's ultimately the giver of all things. And we can't put our trust in it. You know, and when we take a day off, it reminds us that no matter how hard we work today, we're not going to get completely caught up until eternity. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to get ahead today. Well, guess what? Tomorrow you'll be behind. That's just the way that it works. God says, listen, it's going to be waiting for you tomorrow. Take a time to be with me. Take time to be with me. You are not created to work all the time. Take a break. Uh, there's two responses to the Sabbath. Uh, one is found in Amos 8.5. Uh, Amos is, is writing here, and we, we won't look up this verse either, but I encourage you to go back and look at it. Amos is describing, uh, you know, uh, A-type a personalities back in, in ancient day. Before they knew they were A-type, uh, they were. And Amos says there's people that are on the Sabbath, and all they're doing is scheming about how they're going to be busy tomorrow. Man, if only the sun would set a little bit faster. If only I could get to work. If only the Sabbath day would be over. Then I could go out and start buying and trading and selling and working and doing all of these things. Let me tell you, these people are having a hard time with the break. You know. But then there's other people that are described in Isaiah chapter 58, uh, verses 13 and 14, where, where they say, I delight in the Sabbath. I delight in the Sabbath. And so Scripture kind of paints two kinds of people. And this morning I would ask you, what kind of person are you? Are you the kind that on Sunday you're like, man, I just can't wait to get back tomorrow in the grind. And I just, man, I just, this today couldn't go fast enough for me. Why are things closed on Sunday? Why is Chick-fil-A closed on Sunday? Oh, that's just me. Um, you know why? Why aren't we all working all the time? God says, listen, there's two kinds of responses. In the way you respond, I think it reveals your heart. Are you content to just sit and rest with God? If you are, then you will delight in it. If you're not, then you've got other priorities. Uh, Kreider goes on, and I don't even think he's a Christian, but he's just called this out so well. He, He talks about busyness. He says, busyness serves as a kind of existential reassurance, a hedge against emptiness. Obviously, your life cannot be possibly silly or trivial or meaningless if you're so busy, completely booked in demand every hour of the day. More and more people in this country, however, no longer make or do anything tangible. If your job wasn't performed by a cat or a boa constrictor in a Richard Scarry book, I'm not sure I believe it's necessary. I can't help but wonder whether all of this histrionic exhaustion isn't a way of covering up the fact that most of what we do doesn't matter. Wow. Wow. And so we cram our time full of all sorts of things. That way we don't have to spend the time to realize, you know what? The thing that I really need to do is just stop. Be with God. Be with my family. If only for one day a week... Working hard's great, but you've got to take some time to spend one-on-one with God. If you've got kids, it's even more important. Uh, this is the second point here. It's taking them together as a family uh, makes our children skilled in faith. Now, I, I know what you're thinking if you're parents. Well, how does stopping for a day, how does that help my kids? Well, let's look at Psalm 127. We're going to read this in its entirety There's only five verses. If you've got a Bible, flip over there. But Psalm 127 says this. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guard keeps watch in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives sleep to his beloved. We could probably pause And sing a song and several people would come forward just from the reading of these two verses. Why don't you, if you want to just pause for a second, I'm going to read those again. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guard keeps watch in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, 
eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives sleep to his beloved. Verse 3. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Church, I want to kind of look at these these five verses real quick this morning. Uh, The first two verses kind of go together, don't they? It says that no matter how hard you work, if God is not in your work, you might as well not be doing anything. You might as well just quit, pack it up, go home, try it again tomorrow. Because if God's not in your shop or in your office or doing your work or watching over the things that you're watching over, then what you're doing is in vain. God needs to be a part of all that you do. Uh, and there's no secular job or vocation. You know, we're all called to labor in, in the way that God has gifted and skilled us. But the question is, is God doing that with you? Are you is God present with you in those moments? He, he says, not only is it good to work with God, but it's good to rest with God. It, it's even more than that. He says, rest is a gift from God. Rest is a blessing from God. Now, let's think about how this transitions into verse 3 and following. Because it kind of talks about work and rest and then kids and family. Now, between 3 and 4 is kind of this... Or 2 and 3, there's kind of this reality that we've got to think about. If you were an ancient Israelite person, what would you do on the Sabbath day? What would you do? You could only walk so far. You could walk to synagogue and come back. Uh, If you were a a, a woman, uh, you would have prepared the meal for Sabbath the day before. So there wouldn't be much cooking. It'd be done. Okay? So you couldn't watch TV because that, well, that hadn't been invented yet. Uh, you couldn't read the newspaper because, well, that, that hadn't been invented either. You couldn't go to tournament soccer with your kids because that hadn't been invented either yet either. So what are you going to do on Sabbath for an entire, like, 12-hour period of wakeful time? What are you going to do? You're going to sit at home with each other. Well, let's just, let's just stop. I know I lost some of you back there. You'd, you'd sit at home together as a family with no TV for 12 hours. All right. That's what you do. And so if you're asking, well, how is it that rest makes sons that are heritage from the Lord? It's because you're spending an entire day with them every week. On the Sabbath, you'd go to synagogue. You'd come back, and guess what you're going to talk about? You're going to talk about synagogue. You're going to talk about God's Word. You're going to sit and you're going to talk about the week. You're going to talk about what's coming up. You're going to talk about some things that you've got to do, some things that you did. You're going to talk about all that stuff there on synagogue. You're going to talk about all that day, not on synagogue, on Sabbath. You're going to talk about all that stuff together. That's what you're going to do. Now, I love the imagery here. It says that, that if you kind of go by this pattern, you end up with a sons that are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Are the sons of one's youth. Happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. Now, quivers come in different sizes. You know, mine, mine only holds three, and, you know, it's full. But some of you have bigger quivers than, than others, and, and, that, and you've got more kids. But no matter how many kids you have, the question is, do you know what to do with your kids? You know, it's interesting. If I were to give all of you, I would go to the, the museum and, and get a real-life bow and arrow set from this time period and give it to you all, and say, I want you to go out and kill something and bring it back. And then you can eat. Many of you would go hungry. You know what I'm saying? Kind of this crude bow, stick, arrow. Or if I were to worse yet say to you, go make your own. Man, there'd just be no hope. You know, you'd be better off like hitting something with the bow staff. That would probably be your best bet of survival. But here you get this image that there's this warrior that just grabs these arrows out and uses them. And just he knows exactly what to do and they know exactly where to go and he can send them exactly where they need to be. Why is it that he can do that? Because he does it all the time. You know, what I mean? you know what I'm saying? If I gave one of you a bow set from this time and said, all right, you've got a year to practice. And every day I want you to give it two to three hours. I bet at the end of a year you would be able to outgun anybody else. In this church, because you've been using it. You, you see, this is, this is the, the image here. If you're spending time with your kids, if you're being with your children, if restful time together as a family is a priority, 
then your children will know what it, it is that you're about. Your children will know what it is that you value. And this morning, I want you to think about how it is that you're spending that time uh, with your kids. You know, uh, for many of you, Sabbath, really the best day for you is Sunday. It really is. Um, Sabbath is really not, uh, Sunday is really not my Sabbath um, for a few reasons that may be more apparent to you than others. But, but for many of you, Sunday is going to be that day for you. And you can follow the same ancient model of, of the Israelites where you go, you go worship, and then you spend some time together, and you, and you use that day. But, but if, if you don't use your rest wisely, and I guess that's what we're going to get at here in a second, is using your rest and Sabbath wisely, th- then you'll waste it. You know, if Sunday morning church is kind of like one of your many entertainment options together as a family, then your kids are going to remember that. You know, if, if church is where you go when, if you don't have any other better offers... Well, then guess what? Your kids are going to remember that. What is it that you're communicating to your children through your rest? What is it that you're helping your children to do in these moments of pause as far as interpreting the world around them? Here's, here's the way I like to think of Sabbath. It's margin time. Okay, it's margin time. You've read a book, right? There's margins that surround it. And when I read a book, I like to write in the margins. That's like my favorite thing to do. It drives my wife crazy. I highlight, I write notes in the margin, I'll put an exclamation point, I'll write, ha, if I think it's funny. I mean, all of those things I'll put in the margin of the book. So that way I can kind of go back and remember what the book's about. Now, that's how I process the book. Margin time in life is the same way. You deal with a lot of content in your waking hours, and you need some margin time to process it. And without it, it doesn't make sense. And if you aren't taking the time, the margin time to process things with your kids... Somebody else is doing it with them. I don't know who it is, but somebody else is doing it with them. You've got to have time for margin. Otherwise, you are not making sense of life for yourself, and you're not making sense of life for your kids. Let's click to the next slide here, because I've got an illustration. How many of you can read what it is there on the left? You can't read it. I mean, it's all the exact same content as what's on the right. I mean, it's, it's all the same. It is identical. If I could show you, I could actually pull that thing apart. It's just every word stacked on top of it. That's exactly what it is. What's it lacking? It's lacking margin. It's lacking space. Without the space, without the margin, nothing makes sense. And so no matter how much of God you try to cram in or family or friends uh, work, no matter how much you think about the future or how much you try to take care of your stuff or how much you try to process society with your kids, no matter how much of that you try to do, if you don't have some margin to do that with, nothing is going to make sense. And God says, listen, six days you work, six days you do all of this, but day seven is the day you consecrate holy to me. And that is the day of margin. That is the day where you're going to come sit in synagogue and I'm going to help you make sense of all of that. And then you're going to go home and help make sense of that with your kids. That is what you've got to do, church. If you want to work like a dog, go for it. Go for it. Work like a dog. Do it. But at least take a day to reclaim your humanity. Okay? Take one day to reclaim your humanity. Uh, let's get to point three. And, and this, is, this is kind of the crux here. How you practice Sabbath, and I'm putting this here as more of a principle than a day. How you practice Sabbath is determined by your conscience, but you should be conscientious about how you practice it. Uh, Romans 14.5. This is kind of the verse I want us to just think on in this last point. Romans 14.5 says this. It says, Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced... In their own minds. Those who observe the day, observe it in honor of the Lord. Also those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord, since they give thanks to God. While those who abstain, abstain in the honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. Uh, Church, I think this is kind of a critical interpretive verse for us. Paul is saying, listen, uh, it's okay that you do whatever this side of the cross, but you need to do it intentionally. You need to do it intentionally. Be able to give thanks for it. Be able to actually process through it. Don't let life run you over and go, well, I can do whatever I want. Well, that's true. You can. That doesn't mean it's beneficial. 
That doesn't mean it's good. Just because it's lawful doesn't mean it's expedient. This is scriptural principle. Uh, So this morning what I'm pleading with you to do is to practice Sabbath conscientiously. Uh, Practice it intentionally. Uh, There's a lot of numerous ways that you can practice the Sabbath. Uh, Some of you will stop carrying your cell phone with you one day a week. That, That will be it for you. That will be one good way to start doing that. Uh, others of you, um, that's not possible, so you're not going to do that. Um, and so that's, that's one thing. Um, others of you might start carrying your phone with you a little bit more so you can be fully present and not worried about things. You see, there's different applications for this. Some of you may need to alter the way you work. You're going to shorten some of your work hours on a certain day. Others of you may say, you know what, in order to do that, in order to practice Sabbath, I'm going to have to work a little bit harder some of these other days. That's, that's possible. Uh, what I'm challenging you to do more than any one thing in particular is to sit down and be intentional about the way you practice Sabbath. And if you're in a family, you don't get to decide this by yourself. You get to do this together uh, as a home. Uh, let me give you some thoughts. There's a this week section on your slides there. Not on your slides, on your sheet that's in your thing that you got when you came in, the bulletin. That's the one. That's the one. Uh, this week, you got some thoughts there. What is one thing you're going to do? I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of things. And, and the one that you think would be good, you try that. The one that you think is totally outrageous because it's completely ridiculous, you should probably try that one too because it's probably hitting too close to home for you to, to really like it. Let me give you in the past. These are things from Scripture that we know did not happen on Sabbath. One is fires were not to be lit. Now, in my house, we light a fire with a switch. We got a wall switch in the living room. It's not work. As a matter of fact, it adds to a cold Sabbath day. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of fun to light a fire on the Sabbath. So for me, that's not something. But in the past, fires were not to be lit. Burdens were not to be carried. I got this really fat baby. I mean, he's gonna. Somebody's gonna have to carry that kid. Okay. So for me, that's not gonna work. But if, if your job is like a dock loader and you're like moving stuff on the weekend for fun, you probably should stop. Um, let's see. Uh, prohibition of travel could be des- derived from Isaiah. Uh, you, you're not going to do a lot of traveling on the Sabbath. Some of you are coming up from Morgantown. That's okay. Uh, you're, you're here to worship. We, we, we'll let that slide. Um, let's see. There's other things. It's sowing and reaping. Uh, it, but, but here's the thing. If you do it every other day, don't do it on the Sabbath. I guess that's maybe a guiding principle. If you do it every other day, don't do it on the Sabbath. Now, now for me, I kind of like mowing the lawn. I don't do it every day. I'm not a landscaper or a gardener. And so on a day of rest for me, it's therapeutic to mow the lawn. I like it. I like it. Others of you are like, I would never mow the lawn on Sabbath. That's fine. That's fine. You don't have to. Here's, let me give you the way we do this in our house. We don't have this perfect. This last week we were running at Mach 3 with our hair on fire. I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy. But, but let me tell you, in our house, here's what we try to do. We try to have one day or at least a half a day where we don't have to do anything. Just, 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 just one day or a half of a day a week where we don't have to do anything. Now, we may choose to do something. As a matter of fact, it's, it's kind of funny. We'll sit around in the morning, we'll have a big breakfast, and we'll just kind of sit and visit and look at each other. And then after about an hour or two, we're kind of like, hey, let's go clean the garage. Doesn't that sound like fun? <laughs> and you know, you give it enough rest, and if in your mind, you, I don't have to clean the garage today, I want to clean the garage today. And believe me, you can get there. You can get there. Um, then it's restful. And at the end of the day, you think, man, this was a great day. We didn't have to do anything. We cleaned the garage, but we didn't have to do that. We wanted to do that. And for us, that gives us the margin that we need in our life to let the kids be kids and let us be us and, and have some time together as a family. The kids want to ride their bike. That works out great when we're outside. This is great. Take a walk together as a family. Uh, there's lots of ways to apply this. Let me give you a few specific tidbits. Man, this is taking forever today. Good goodness. I've been out two weeks. That's, you get, it all gets built up. Um, three principles. You've got to rest from your labors. Uh, Jesus said it's never wrong to do good on the Sabbath. Uh, so maybe some offerings of service and worship. Uh, a lot of those things you've got done here. L- a few ideas, a few, few practical things you could take home today. One is you could eat light meals or, or, or go out if you could afford it. Uh, and you could cook on Saturday. Now, it's a little late to do that for this week. But maybe next week, you know, cook on Saturday. Put it in the, the fridge. 
Uh, if you're like me, I love leftovers. Uh, here's what you could do. You could sit around with your kids. You could turn the TV off, and you could talk about your week. I know, this is blowing your mind. I'll, I'll say it again. You could talk about your week. Okay? If you don't know how to spell that, you could, you could look on your neighbor. That would help, help, help you out. You could clean on Saturday. That way you could rest on Sunday. Uh, you could play a game together. You could, this, this is my favorite, take a nap. You can take a nap. I don't need a long nap. 15, 20 minutes is bad. Man, that's, that, I'm like a brand new human being after 15 minutes. Um, and Miles is still at the point where he likes to take naps. So this is it's a team nap. It's good. Um, you could write letters. You know, writing a letter is a lot of fun, especially if you like to write. Uh, you could visit some family members. You could call up family members. You could visit a sick friend. You could call a sick friend if they're really sick and you don't want to get it. Uh, you could ponder prayer a little bit more. You, you know, you, you, you could put your kids, uh, this is what we do in our house sometimes, we say, all right, now it's afternoon quiet time. You've got an hour, you've got to be quiet. And just use that time, maybe for some reading. Uh, you can read uh, the scripture. You can talk together. You know, we sent home these great kid worksheets. Ask your kids about those things on Sunday. Even if you forget them on Monday, that's fine. Ask them about it at least today. Uh, you can just try to feel closer to God and see what, see what that leads you to do. Uh, you could talk together. Today would be a good thing to talk about together as a family. Say, man, how, how smart is it of God that he would give us a, a day to devote to rest, worship, and service? Um, you could invite then some family members to pick a kind of an activity for next week um, uh, for Sabbath day. As a matter of fact, I looked at one uh, church. They made a spinner where uh, on the inside was every name of everybody in the family. And then on the outside uh, were things that had to get done on the Sabbath. So one was like prepare a meal beforehand. The other was kind of uh, lead a family devotion is one thing this family did. The other one was pick a game. Uh, and, and they would spin it. And every week the, uh, the responsibilities would, would shift. And so it was kind of a way they, they got their kids involved in that. Uh, you could go to the park. We don't have a lot of good weather left. So maybe take advantage of that today. All right, I think that'll do it. I think I've given you enough to get started on trying to incorporate the Sabbath into your home. I want to close with this statement from Kreider. Um, It's just, it's good. He says, it's hard to find anything to say about life without immersing yourself in the world. It's true, isn't it? I mean, it's hard to find anything to say about life without immersing yourself in the world. But it's also just about impossible to figure out what it might be or how best to say it without getting out of it again. Idleness is not just a vacation, an indulgence, or a vice. It is as indispensable to the brain as vitamin D is to the body. And deprived of it, we suffer a mental affliction as disfiguring as rickets. The space and quiet that idleness provides is a necessary condition for standing back from life and seeing it whole for making unexpected connections and waiting for the wild summer lightning strikes of inspiration, it is paradoxically necessary to get any work done. I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, Church, this this morning, I want to challenge you. Practice Sabbath according to your conscience, but do it conscientiously. Think through it. Be intentional about your day of rest. 